I've said this before. Uh, there is something powerful about the name. A name has power because you can actually see someone and you can say, hey, and um, you can whistle, you can do all kinds of things. But when you actually call out the name, it has a way of grabbing the essence of who they are and they turn. And uh, that's what we're here to do is to worship this God and to call upon his name. And, and I heard from Pastor Paul Bergeron as we, we meet at 830 um, to pray for these services. And if you would like to be a part of meeting at 830 and praying, we invite you to be a part of it. But he said this morning, he said, you know, I was watching TV last night and they said the most prescribed medication that our nation takes is for fear and anxiety. And we know that perfect love casts out fear. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold after we worshiped here. If you're feeling that you're in a place of fear, filled with anxiety, or you have this anxiety, and you want to just release it to God, I don't care if it's over finances, it may be over a friendship, it could be over a work situation, it could be over illness, it could be, if you would like that, I'm just going to ask you to be bold and stand, and I want to pray. Um, this is not about judgment. We all come broken. You can look at people and see the car they drive, see the things they wear. It doesn't matter. Before the cross, we all stand in the same place, in the place of need. And so I'm going to ask you, um, let's bow our heads. And if you'd like to stand where you're at and you would like to be in this prayer as I call on the name of Jesus, would you call on the name of Jesus as well? Jesus, you see people standing. And what an incredible thing it says to confess, admit that we are in a place where we need you. And each of you, as you're standing in that place and others around as you pray for yourself or for someone you even know who is in that place. Those of you standing, just if you in your own heart and spirit would call on the name of Jesus, just in your own heart, just say, Jesus, I call on you in this situation. And as you do that, release us to him. There is no drug that can release Love into a life like the relationship you can have with your Father. He loves you right now. We worship you, God. We invite you into our own personal situations. We invite you into the, the things that are going on in this city with all the churches meeting today. May you bless each and every church. May you be moving in the hearts of people in this area. Remove, God, our jealousies, envies, all these other things and bring together one mighty work of your Spirit. And God, release yourself into the um, leaders of our nation. In this time where the economic, and we just kind of watch things go up and down like a roller coaster. There is one who is firm and strong that we base all our faith on. It's you, Lord Jesus. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I have to share with you. I'm really excited about this morning, and it's not because I'm not preaching. <laughs> I'm really excited about this morning because I feel like I am a part of a team of leaders and we are stationed in this place called Plymouth Wyzetta. And uh, we have Pastor Z and his wife Adida stationed over in Glogów, Poland, which when I first came my first year, got an opportunity to actually be there and see what God was doing. I went with Paul Bierhaus and we had this incredible time, how God moved and what he's been doing. We'll, we'll share even more about that in some days to come. And then last year I had the opportunity to go and be another one of our team leaders in another city in Peru with Dave and Gina. 
who have done a work for years. And it's so incredible to be matched up with such teams around the world. And then this last May, I made the trek to Supater, Mongolia. And Davey Olson went with me, and we had just a great time um, as we got to spend time with George and Terry and their kids and, and uh, with Sagao and Aruna and got to meet Magna. Uh, we are so thrilled you're here with us. And George and Joan, we're glad you're here supporting them. We just, um, and I want you to know from my heart that um, we would never want you to feel alone there, although we know you do at times. But we, we as a congregation love you. Many who know you, and some of you who have been coming for the last few weeks, months, or years, you get the opportunity to get to know them. We're going to actually have a place afterwards in the fireside room across the lobby where you can get a chance to, to talk with them. But I'm going to ask if you guys would come forward and just share a little bit about the ministry and, uh, and what God is doing there. We called this service Doing Good, Building a Clinic in Mongolia. One of our deep desires is to be a part of building something really, really good in its essence, in the sense that it cares with compassion, like we said. But we call upon the name of Jesus, so it is a deeply um, redemptive work where people come to know the living God and Savior. So, George, teammate. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll do it again. We didn't practice that part. There we go. Pound. Um, until that was well practiced. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family and who's here and... and uh, and kind of give us just a, an idea of what you're doing there. Well, I will, I will echo what uh, Kevin said. You guys are, have been nothing but love for us, and uh, we do appreciate everything. And thank you very much, uh, Kevin. As you know, uh, my wife Terry and I are living in uh, Outer Mongolia. Uh, we have a ministry out there, and part of our, part of our calling out there um, began a while ago. We uh, had a desire to work in an unreached place, and we've always had a heart for the poor, and uh, that's uh, what we're doing now. And my, I have two uh, young kids, Georgia, my beautiful daughter, and Joseph, uh, my awesome son. And it's my uh, privilege this morning to introduce you to our teammates in uh, Mongolia. This is Saga. He's our medical doctor, and he's also our lay pastor, so he's, uh, he's working. And this is uh, Aruna. She's uh, she's a we have a development center and she's the director of the development center and also one more guy uh, Magna. Yep. He's uh, going to be ten- attending Northwestern with a business degree and a Bible minor and coming back to Mongolia and just going to be tearing it up for Jesus. Yes. And I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you. George is not one of these guys who likes the limelight and does not like attention brought to him. But we are so thrilled because God so designed it that the country, Mongolia, bestowed upon him the Humanitarian of the Year Award for the work that is being done there. And Aruna, for that province, got Entrepreneur of the Year Award for all the things they're doing there. So we're not investing in some slouches. Um, although we did lay around a bit. You know, anyway, <laughs> go ahead and tell us a little bit more about what your hopes, kind of what you're hoping to do there. Well, I mentioned right now we have a school and we're reaching uh, the province through education because that alleviates a lot of the uh, root causes of uh, poverty. But 
We also want to start this clinic because there are a lot of people, there's a whole segment of society that's being ignored and has no access uh, to medical care, and that's not right. So that's what we're doing. That's part of the way we're doing ministry holistically. You have to, you have to be out there and you have to live it. And the other thing that I just want to mention, these guys are here because what Terry and I have always been committed to is that it be nationally led, that uh, it can't be just Terry and I doing everything. These guys are going to be able to communicate the gospel a lot better than we can because their hearts, their Mongolians are going to be able to communicate to them. So one of my roles has been transition from what was started as Reach Global, our mission, to these guys. And it's these are the heart and soul of the church now. These guys are the ones that are doing it. So One of the things I really like, and I've been involved with some other mission organizations, and, and one of the things I look for is the kind of organization that doesn't come and do all the work and, and become dependent they on uh, the U.S. are funding and things like that, but is those that, that have an exit plan, and, and George and Terry have that and have been talking about that. They don't know, we don't know the timing necessarily on that, but you know what? That is the desire, is to kind of say, this is yours. And it reminds me, I've been in Thessalonians, it reminds me of, of Paul going into the city where it was unreached and the power of God came on some people and, and people came to know Christ like you guys did. And then there were some trials and, and difficulties that you need to expect those, which you guys have those. And yet um, Paul would go from there and this church would be established. And so we're excited about that. So let's show a mo- the clinic, if we could, the video. And then we're going to just ask a couple questions to Sagal and Aruna. Sagal and Aruna, why don't you share with us? And Sagal is, he's, he can speak some English, but I asked him to just share in Mongolian so you could just hear the language um, what you guys hope to do at the clinic. George, Тик бол бусад олон нэр хэлж чадаагүй ахын төстэй маш их баярлалаа бидэнд энэ хүмүүс маш их тусалж ертөнцийн эзэн үнэхээр бас хүнд хүрч чаддаг юм байна гэдэг энэ хүмүүс харуулж байгаа. За энэ дотор бас Жорж Тэри хоёр маань бидэнд үнэхээр сэтгэлд ойр байж хамгийн сайн сайхан зүйлийг бид нарт авчирж эзний тухай авдаг хоёр том төсөлтөд үнэхээр маш одоо агуу хүчээр одоо маш хүчтэй ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁྱིས་ཁ
is doing great job in Sukhpata and through you, through Wazata Church and through many strong Christians and through George and Terry. Chago said, uh, for George and Terry, first of all, we would want to say thank you so much because they're doing great job in Sukhpata in our town and they really know their goal, uh, real goal, what to do. And that's why we are a real team and we are family and we are best friends and we, are, we trust each other so much. So they showed us, they showed us uh, God's love very much and they, we learned a lot from them. And Chaga talked also about the, and, uh, why is that the church? They sent lots of uh, things and they sent lots of materialistic things and also lots of teams and Dick five times went to Mongolia with team and we really, really appreciate uh, your help, big help all the time. And there are, about the clinic, there are so many people, no food, no wood in the winter. So our heart is really broken when we see that. And so we are really happy to work on this project. Our heart is ready to help for people through the clinic. We want to help these people. And Jesus, like Jesus healed first and then he, he preached there. Yeah? So we want to do not like Jesus, we can't do like Jesus, and we want to try uh, to tell about Jesus to many people. May, our main goal is to bring to God's love, to show God's love to many people and have them to know God's love. Then they will know about uh, the life, of pur- the purpose of their life. Thank you. Yeah. Also, we are really thankful to George and uh, Terry. They are working on many, uh, two big projects. Which one of them is Magna's project. Yeah, Magna, that... Sorry. That's fine. Um, That's fine. Do you want to finish? That's okay. Thanks. I just, um, you know, first of all, to communicate in English as you do is amazing. And secondly, I don't think you could give a better message than your heart, which breaks for your people. And uh, some people don't know, but Runa, her father, was an incredible man in that city, well-respected. And she comes from that line. And then in coming to know Christ, she just has such a heart for people. Now, you know why I was touched and why I think God has called us to do something great through that ministry. So... Thank you. George, I've asked George just to share what's on his heart, and so I'm going to give you those moments to do so. Thanks. Well, good morning, and thank you for having us. I mean, this obviously means a lot to us, and uh, yeah, thank you doesn't seem like enough, but thank you very much. Kevin did ask me to share a little bit uh, this morning about some stuff that I've been learning to uh, share some things that I know. And I do have uh, good news and I have some bad news. The good news is uh, the old man didn't get the tractor beam out commission, so it's going to be a real short trip. Okay. For those of you that didn't catch that reference, these are not your droids. Okay. The bad news is I'm not sure anybody's going to walk out of here any wiser because of what I have to say, but I'll do the best I can. I have been blessed in the last several years, and that's what I want to talk about today my personal faith journey and the things I understand about the faith. 
And like I said, we'll be out here in the next five minutes because I don't understand much. But there are some things I've learned and have relearned from my time in Mongolia and from my Mongolian counterparts, Saga and Aruna. My faith is pretty simple. That's a good thing. I've seen how Saga and Aruna live their faith, and I've learned a lot about what is important, and I've learned a lot about what is not so important. There are themes and ideas that are repeated over and over and over again in the Bible, and these are the things I understand. These are the things that are important to me. There are things that are foundational to everything else. Three things in particular are drilled into us from Genesis to Revelation, and that's what I want to look at today. Two different passages, Matthew 22 through 22, 36 through 40, and I'm just going to read it quickly. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now we're going to skip a little further in Matthew to the Great Commission. Matthew 28:16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the things I really understand. If I keep these things in focus, my faith remains solid. But like you guys know, the faith is not an easy thing. There are three principles here that make up how we're supposed to be living. They're simple. We all understand them. These three principles are the church. They're what the church is supposed to be. God-centered. Love the Lord your God. Community. Doing life together. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the last truth here, go make disciples. The church is supposed to be outward focused. This is it. The relationship with God, relationship with community, and the outward focusedness of the church. Three things. Theologically, these are the basics. This is what I understand. The rest of you theologians can figure the other stuff out, and please let me know when you do. Okay? But that's what I want to talk to you briefly about this morning. I found that in my walk, these are all things I understand. These are the things that I'm capable of doing. It's pretty simple, straightforward truth. But the other side of it is that I find it hard to live like this consistently. I have periods in my life where I'm devoted to Jesus and others, but I have other times in my life where I have failed miserably. I see Jesus' life and I want to be like him. And on, the other, and on one side, it is complete joy and awe when I see him doing so many wonderful things. When I see his church in places where it was not before, when I experience his love and his forgiveness firsthand, it's total awe and it is total joy. But there always seems to be the other side. When I fail to be anything like him, when I do live selfishly and with a sense of entitlement, it's misery, disappointment, and a certain self-loathing. The first truth, love the Lord your God. I have often wondered how this is possible. How is it possible to live completely devoted to my Lord? You hear about those people that have walked closely with God. Elijah carried God's power. Moses led God's people. David was a man after God's own heart, 
Hudson Taylor changed how we reach other cultures. Diedrich Bonhoeffer changed why we need to have a passion for the cross. And Mother Teresa taught us about Jesus' compassion. The list goes on. We all have people we know personally that walk closely with God. I could go around in this congregation and list some of those people for you. They are close to Jesus. You see Jesus in their lives. And I've asked myself, what is their secret? How can you live a life that is selfless? How can you live a life that is completely devoted to Christ? The common thread I see in these lives when they are living for Christ are in daily close relationship with him are two things. Humility and death to self. To me, these seem to be the cornerstones of the faith. Everything else flows out of these two attitudes. And I'll speak to humility first. This one is the most difficult for me. This is the thing I come back to time and time again, because there have been times in my life where I was not humble. When I thought I could do everything in my own strength. When I gave myself credit for the great things God was doing. And these have been the lowest points in my life, the lowest points in my faith. When I have lived in my own strength. But how do I completely depend on him? I think the first step is living in humility. And we have been blessed. God is doing great things in Mongolia. The school is partnering nationally with the parliament and the Sling provincial government in education. It is big. We're in liaison with Western organizations and Mongolian government in curriculum development, teacher training. There are hundreds of students and teachers that flow through our doors. Medical relief is really expanding. We're reaching people that previously had no access to medical care and people's lives are being changed because of it. And lastly, the church is blossoming. There's a community of 30 where previously there was no church. It's a great privilege to see the Mongolians being passionate about their faith. But that's just the thing. If I start taking credit for these things, then I will fail. Part of humility is living a life of gratitude. And I've had to learn that. The work is so much more than me. I cannot do it. And that is how God works. He does the impossible so that ultimately he will get the glory. One of my daily prayers is one of gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for letting me be a part of the kingdom in this really cool way. And God, this is yours. Take it. Do with what you want. Take me out of it. Being grateful for every good gift is a start in humility. I found this next thing a little bit harder when we go deeper into humility. When you hear stories about how people met Jesus in a personal way, it's usually in times of great sorrow or times of tragedy. And that's because Jesus is the man of sorrow. He's the only one that will come to you and carry you when you can't walk yourself. But I think there's something very practical here. Why do we meet Jesus in times of sorrow? I think it's because in those times we are quiet. We discard all the noise. We let God have control and we are quiet before him. We are humble before him. How can I translate this into everyday life? Well, it's by being intentionally quiet. It's a hard thing, particularly when I'm not living the way I should. Coming before God on my knees with nothing else, being naked before him is a scary thing. It's a crucial thing, but it's scary because when I'm quiet, that's when all the other voices come. That's when the self-doubt comes. That's when I know I'm a failure. It's also the attitude of brokenness, this part of humility. In times of sorrow, we're broken. 
And that's when we naturally turn to God. But if you look at Mother Teresa, you look at the Psalms of David, they live brokenly daily. It's breaking the bride. It's breaking the control. It's living beyond yourself. That's brokenness. That's humility. And I do know this. If I come broken before God, if I'm quiet for long enough, I always hear a still voice repeating over and over again. I love you, my son. You are my beautiful child. I gave everything. I gave you everything I had. I gave you my beautiful son who's taken all your ugliness upon him. He died for you, and that's my gift to you. Your ugly self died that day, too. You're now beautiful. I love you. It's that focus on Jesus. It's a mystic thing, and that word is not a bad word. It's the gospel of Mark. Mark talks about the beautiful mystery. And it's like when I came to know Jesus, I had this sphere of knowledge. It was very small. But outside of that sphere is the mystery, the beautiful mystery of God. And as I go deeper into God, that sphere of my knowledge expands, but also the surface contact with the mystery outside expands. The mystery gets deeper and more beautiful. It's keeping him before me. It's remembering the cross, remembering that without him, I am a failure, but that with him, I am beautiful. And I know if you aren't quiet, you won't hear that voice. All you'll hear is the other junk. And I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I know when I experience God's lip firsthand, when I accept his forgiveness, when I completely rely on his strength and he tells me I'm beautiful, I find it much easier to love others. I find that's because I'm quietly resting his love. I can love others in ways I could not before. So that leads me to the second point of the church of what makes sense to me in my own personal faith. And I'm going to skip to the Great Commission, the outreach focus part now and come back to the final part, the community in just a second. Go make disciples. We are to have compassion for the lost. We are to care about those in pain for those suffering. But I also find this part very hard, too, because I am selfish. I think about myself. I am inward focused. How do I make me and mine more comfortable? And the question is, how do I get beyond that? Now, stay with me here because I'm going to say something that's a little counterintuitive. Simply put, I force myself to be a follower of Jesus. And I know at first glance that doesn't make a lot of sense, but here's what I mean. This is the dying part, the dying to self part, living for others, living selflessly. I found that action comes before attitude. And that hasn't always been what I've been taught. I've been taught that my actions will naturally flow out of my good attitude. And that is true. When I experience God's love, God's love, I naturally pass it on. But practically living it out daily, I found that for me, this is a short term answer. If I want to sustain this over the long haul, action comes first. There are things that I naturally do not want to do. Visiting the poor, seeing the misery firsthand, being vulnerable and making myself available are things I resist in my attitude. If I wait until I feel like it, I will never do it. So I intentionally put myself in uncomfortable positions. The best example I know of this, and this is the outreach focus part, is what happened in our first term in Mongolia. And I really wasn't going to share this story this morning because those of you who know me well know this story. But a good friend and mentor told me I had to share it so that those of you who don't know will understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. 
since we've been in Mongolia, every year we do outreach. It's an unreached place, untouched place. We are trying to spread the gospel through all the holistic stuff that we're doing. So every year during the summer, we go to an unreached place, a place that has never heard the name of Jesus. And we set up camp, and in the past we've done English camps for the kids, we've done VBS, we've done recreation stuff, and we've had hundreds of kids come and play with us all through the day, sports competitions, but we also bring doctors, nurses, dentists with us. And anybody that needs care can come and get free care in some of these real remote places. But at the end, at the end of the day, every day, we present the gospel. So in a town that has never heard the name of Jesus before, they're hearing Jesus' name for the first time. And it has been pretty awesome. There are groups of believers now in these communities where we've gone. But the first year that we did it, the first year that we did it, something happened that profoundly changed me. And we all have these moments that you can think back changed how I want to do ministry, why I want to do ministry, and added a sense of urgency to what we're trying to do. Very first year we did it. We did it in two locations, in Hudur and Yoro. And in Yoro, a little girl, 11 years old, had been coming out playing with us, English camps, VBS, a little girl who, for the very first time, heard about Jesus and heard about how much Jesus loved her. Got, went for a swim in the river, got caught up in the current, was swept away, and she was gone. The very next day, a little boy, 10 years old, same thing, English camps, VBS, very first time hearing about Jesus and how much Jesus loved him. Went for a ride on his horse, fell off his horse, got caught up in the gear, and was dragged for about a quarter of a mile. By the time he got to us, his brain was hemorrhaging, and we had no way to release the pressure, so the decision was made for me to pack up my car and try to get him to the nearest hospital several hours away. By the time I got everything ready, came back in, he was convulsing, he started coughing blood, and then he was gone. This was one of my moments that changed me. I withdrew after that. I stopped being quiet before God. And I wanted to protect myself from more pain. I wanted to protect myself from having my heart broken again. But it was intentionally putting myself back in the game that helped restore my soul. It was a refocus on outreach. It was a refocus on helping others that helped my attitude. Because through that, I rediscovered God's love. I rediscovered that without him, I am a failure. I will fail unless I give the impossible to him. The work in Mongolia is impossible, but by trusting that God has it and he has me, and by taking that first step of faith, my humility and willing to die to self have become stronger. And that's a big part of the motivation for the clinic. When you see people in pain, when you see children suffering, when you hear about someone who had to have their foot amputated because it froze repeatedly during the winter night, when you see people without enough food or fuel to heat their homes during the winter, you have no choice, I have no choice but to do something. Inaction is wrong. And that's the hard part. It is hard to live beyond yourself. To put yourself in a situation that you know you will fail unless you're completely reliant on God. It's not easy. 
And that's what I'm talking about here. Action first. There should be tension in our faith. If there is no tension, if we are completely comfortable, if we are relying on our own strength, we will never be quiet before God. That's been my experience. When I'm comfortable, I don't need God. So I purposely put myself in circumstances that I know are beyond my strength, where I have to really rely on God, where I know I have no choice. And out of that comes my attitude, my submission to God, my acceptance of his plan and my release and the release of my own selfish plans. Let's look at the last part. And that's the last part of the church. And I've saved this for last because for me, this is my favorite part. For me, this is the easy part. This is how I experienced Jesus firsthand. Jesus summed up the total of our existence, what the meaning of life is in terms of relationships. When you look at his life, he spent his time with people at funerals and weddings. He was with them during times of great great sorrow and and times of great joy. It's community. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's doing life together. I am blessed. There are times in your life when you know that you're part of something special. I'm part of something special now. I have a rare and wonderful community. I'm so proud that you can meet Saga, Aruna, and Magna today. They are my community. They have seen me ugly. They have seen me fall. They have seen me at my worst. And yet, they have lived with me in a spirit of forgiveness and accountability. They have carried me and loved me through it all. Everything I've said this morning, I have watched in their lives. They want Jesus. They live for him. They live selflessly and live in a way that matters every day. They come to a crisis of the cross every day. I see Jesus in their lives. They're the real deal, and they are my community. They're my family. They're my protectors. They're my advocates. They're my partners. Simply said, they're the best. And I know what we have is rare. And I'm very grateful to them for it. I'm grateful for it. Saga, Aruna, you have honored me in ways that I do not deserve. You have treated me better than I deserve. And I'm a better Christian. I'm a better follower of Jesus because of you. I'm more patient. I'm more kind. I'm more forgiving. I'm more like Jesus because of you. Saga, Aruna, Magna, I'm proud of you and I love you. Thank you for everything. I also want to thank this community this morning. We couldn't have done Mongolia without you. You have supported us and carried us through rough times. You've been there in the great times of sorrow, but you've also rejoiced with us during the times of celebration. You are my home church. You are the church that I love. You are the church. You are God-centered. You are outreach-minded. You are a real community. Thank you very much for everything. We love you. This is a time of celebration. This is a time of great joy. And as a community, we invite you to celebrate with us how much God is doing in Mongolia as we celebrate with you how God is moving in YZ. You've shown us over and over again that you have our backs. You are our support. And without you, we could not do what we're doing. Thank you very much. I'm changing the order up just a little bit. Um, I'm going to ask Sagan and Aruna and Magna, why don't you come up as well, Dick and uh, Mike Brinkman. Um, Mike, I'm going to ask you to share. People have said, how can you be involved? I'm going to t- one way you can just pray. Another is there is a home-based team that prays for this ministry. If you'd like to be a part of it, talk to Dick Augustine for sure.
or you talk to a staff member, we'll get you connected. Another way you can be involved is also by maybe going to, a, uh, to Mongolia yourself. We'll be bringing a team uh, summer of 2012. So those are three ways. That fourth way is financially. Part of our whole Pave the Way campaign is about this clinic. So, Mike. Yeah, we just want to make sure you understand the concept. Uh, anybody that's owned a house uh, realizes you get to a point somewhere where you go, you know, my driveway's bad, my house siding is bad, my roof is bad. And we're just uh, at one of those points in, with our church where we have the, uh, a significant hole in our parking lot. We have some cement work to do. And so I think you'll see a slide right behind me there. That So we decided last this last year to say, how do we meet some of those needs, um, the real uh, facility needs? And so we started a campaign called Pave the Way. And we looked at paving the way for visitors and safety, which would uh, is the 293,000 there, which is really to repair and uh, repave the parking lot, improve some sidewalks. Those of you that realized I said last week that will be a new sidewalk out the big six glass doors there, it isn't a new sidewalk until tomorrow. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the uh, contractor called on Monday and said, yeah, we're going to have to push that out a week. So. Hopefully by next week you come and you'll see some new sidewalk. But um, So that's a, just a real expense for us. Um, you see the next way is pave the way for facilities. Um, we have an aging sanctuary furnace. Uh, the air conditioning has been on here this morning uh, since way before you've been here. If you're as warm as I am right now, it's because our furnace and, and air conditioning unit just can't keep up. And so you'll see that's 25000 there. Uh, pave the way for others. We have a Freedom House, uh, the yellow house on the corner that we own, and we uh, host some people and, and rent that out to people uh, recovering from some addiction. Um, the city paved the 8th Avenue next to that house and so offered us the privilege of paying for part of that pavement for $7,000. So we're not the only one that has expensive paving to happen, so we get to help the city that way as well. Uh, also then paved the way for outreach. We looked at, okay, how do we, um, what we talked about and what you've heard this morning, how do we tie in our needs with what we're trying to do in outreach? And, and we had this Mongolia clinic opportunity, and we said, well, what a better way to say we're meeting some of our own facility needs as well as at the same time trying to meet some facility needs um, many, many miles away in a neat opportunity we've heard this morning. So paved the way for outreach is simply to support uh, a Mongolian medical clinic, and we're committed to a, um, a goal of $50,000 for that. So our total goal you'll see is 375000 Currently, as of last week, we're at $149,931. Um, I was tempted to round that to one fifty, but I wanted some accuracy for you. So <laughs> that includes a $100,000 matching gift, which we're real excited about, as well as um, we've had about a third of the donors give toward this, and so we're excited about the opportunity we have available. Uh, and we're also excited this morning to give uh, a piece of that first Mongolian clinic that we're, uh, you're about to hear about now. And our goal is to raise 50000 by next May so we can be in that place. So if you want to be a part of that, we would love for you to do it. Dick, so why don't you go ahead and just share. Yeah, thanks, Kevin and Mike. Um, I'm here on behalf of the Missions Commission, uh, just a wonderful group of people who oversee uh, most of the outreach activity here, both local and, uh, and global. And I just, uh, Mike said I had a minute and a half, so I'll talk really, really fast <laughs> before I present a gift on behalf of you all in the church. But I was just deeply moved once again by... Um, the sharing of Sagal and Aruna and of George. And as Brett and Lisa sang this morning, I jotted down the words of uh, one of the songs they sang. And I will give with the life that I've been given to go beyond religion. To change the world for Christ. And you're seeing that happen uh, right here uh, before your eyes. 
God has given me the opportunity to live in a very small, uh, a very small way, to live the journey that you've been hearing about uh, this morning. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful privilege that he has given me. Uh, this guy, this humble guy, has become just a, a dear friend, and I love him dearly. Uh, I consider him my closest uh, brother in Christ. We've prayed together. We've cried together. We've laughed together. We've celebrated. And he, along with Terry, God has just uh, raised them up to go to Mongolia. Uh, to begin this work. And God has also blessed the work by giving us Saga uh, and Aruna. Uh, you've heard their heart, just a little bit of it. And I've seen them. I have visited the poor and, and others with, uh, with Saga and George and, uh, and Terry. And so uh, I just want you to know, and I've stood before them. I've stood before this congregation of 30 that George mentioned about, and I said, there's a church back in Wyzetta that you may never see, people that you will never know, who are praying for you, and who are supporting you. And so that's really what we're standing in front of you uh, for this morning. But thank all of you for the opportunity, and thank, I thank God for the opportunity. Really quickly, Mike, I'm sorry, I think I'm at the two-minute mark. When we were growing up as kids, we would say things like, God, I will give my life to you if you don't send me. <laughs> <laughs> To Mongolia. How many of you, had, how many of you remember that or had that thought? <laughs> I've had the opportunity to be there four or five times now in the last uh, number of years. So God works in very uh, wonderful ways. He has a strange sense of humor sometimes. On behalf of the church, and in keeping with the Pave the Way campaign, uh, part of which is going to the medical clinic there. And I might say the, the total costs for the clinic are roughly $120,000. Being the home church for George and Terry, we have committed to the $50,000 towards them. That doesn't mean we can't give more, but that's what we're committed <laughs> right. to. As part of the Pave the Way campaign and your generous giving up to this point, it is it's such a privilege. On behalf of Wyzetta and in the name of Jesus Christ to present a check, the first, uh, we'll call it the down payment of $10,000 to uh, George and Terry, uh, Sagan, Aruna, and Magna for the uh, beginning of the work of building the medical clinic in Mongolia. Thank you all. Thank you, Dick. Thanks, George. Thank you very much. This is awesome and humbling and we have a little something that we want to give to the Wazeta community too. It's a horse fiddle, truly Mongolian and yeah, you guys thank you. The Mongolians love you the way we do. So mm. we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. We're gonna close the service. I'm gonna ask the, the worship team to come, but we're not going to necessarily sing a song. We're going to actually be dismissed as you guys are singing behind us. Is that okay? And uh, if you would like prayer, I'd love for you to come up and there'll be a time of prayer. We're going to release you first to go out there so people can meet with you. So we got that. So if you want prayer, you can come forward. You guys are going to be going out that direction. You guys are singing while they're leaving. This is getting complicated. And one last thing that we're going to do is I'm going to ask Dr. George Ken whether he come up and close our time in prayer. Um, some of you who are new don't realize that this man was my predecessor and it's really hard to fill those shoes, so I decided not to and just try and live out my life before Christ is best I know how. So. Would you stand as we close, please? God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, 
As I listened to my son speak uh, this morning, I was convicted about everything he had to say. Most significantly about what he had to say about the importance of humility and being quiet before you. Because I can confess as a pastor, uh, as, as a teacher, it's so easy for me to read the Bible and to pray and be in groups and be so involved, so committed as a churchman that I don't spend the time with you that I need to, to be quiet before you, to be humble before you, to acknowledge my desperate need for you in everything that I do. And, Father, we know that's the strength of the church, coming to the point where we realize that it's about you, it's never about us, that there's some of us that are too big for you to use, but there's none of us that is too small. And so, Father, we pray now that as we go into our workaday worlds, that we may be armed with that confidence that we serve an awesome God, a God who enables us to do above and beyond everything that we could imagine or think, a God who enables us to impact people in our community, people where we work, people where we live, people where we go to school. And so, Father, when we have those moments of doubt, we pray that we will humbly come back to you for new strength. When we feel like we are too weak for the task, we pray that we may quiet ourselves before you so we can hear you say again, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. And we can receive their strength from that to do the task that you've called us to do. God, I do thank you, too, for this community of believers and for what they have meant to our family for almost 19 years now. Thank you for the support that they've given to each of us. And we pray now that we might be that support for one another and that people in this community may know that there is a church in Plymouth that truly loves and cares. May we be that loving, caring church this coming week. For Jesus' sake, amen.